Hey, bro, let's get into this thing. It's Demasi and Michael just talking tech. The following podcast on the Your Own Pay Podcast Network will contain adult content. Listener discretion is advised. More information about this episode can be found at yourownpay.com. Okay, so I believe I am recording. Yep, I am recording here. We've been recording for nine seconds. Oh, yeah, I need to record on my end, too, because I don't trust new things. Not at all. What this software, from my understanding of it, does is it will record locally on my end and locally on your end and then up well i don't know that it's locally on your computer how that works but then it uploads both of the audios and then i can download both of them and they're already matched up so we don't have to like say oh we are starting recording in three two one you know what i mean so let's see how this goes i'll put a link to this at your own pay.com slash dm 43 uh for people who are interested 43 man and i'm using edge right now aha intriguing i'm using chrome right now <laughs> i got a guest link if you want to invite anyone anyone else you want to invite to our show nah, no not yeah, today. me neither this is interesting so what's the pricing model have you looked 10 bucks a month for two hours uh and then they go up from there i don't know that i'm gonna pay for it but we'll see how the quality is from each side and drop them both into reaper with that fx uh plug-in chain and i think i think we'll be pretty well set for a good majority of the editing actually well the the mastering of it <laughs> yeah that affects broadcast chain makes you sound like i'm on the radio <laughs> i guess that's why they call it broadcast but that's what it was it seemed like it was shooting for because i applied it and you know you can do the thing in reaper where you can hit b and it'll bypass the effects so i hit b mm-hmm. bypass it to see what i sounded like and then i hit you know, turned it back on, and uh, I was like, I was giving it more of that that old school radio sound, you know, that that punch to it. And and I don't know if you noticed, but it did take some of your breath out though. And that's so it's it's an effective gating plugin for sure. Yeah, I actually didn't listen to that much of it. I just applied it, uh, rendered that version of it out, and then threw it up in that bucket so you could take a listen. Yeah, yeah. So buckets and Android. Uh, I guess we can talk about so. This month is one year. Intriguing. Um, and, and I'm satisfied. I mean, it's, it's, there are some points like when I saw that uh, fantastic cow invite that you sent me and I'm like, Oh, Oh, I do miss that app. <laughs> <laughs> so how did that, how did that look? Cause you're the first person I've sent one to since they updated. Uh, and I was like, well, Hey, here's a chance for me to test out this whole proposed right. time thing and see how it works. So, first of all, I heard about this software we're using now, which is called Squadcast. I couldn't remember the name when I was talking to Jason earlier today. Uh, and so I had to look up in your messages. I'm like, what? what's the name of that? Uh, so I heard about that and the Fantastical update on the Mosin at Large podcast when I was listening to it on Saturday from Jonathan Mosin. Uh, and then the day before yesterday, I'm like, oh. Oh, Demasi sent me a fantastic. He must upgrade to Fantastic Out Three, uh, and so the process was pretty straightforward. You click the link, shows you a couple of available times. Did you select those times, or did it just show me times that were available on your calendar? No, I selected those times. Okay, okay. So it showed me those times. Uh, it was like today, tomorrow, or the fifteenth, because I don't think you selected Valentine's Day. And then it let me select two times 
well, I think it let me select as many as I wanted, if I remember right. Then it gave me an edit box, and I could type in a note, which I assume you got. And then I hit submit or request or something like that. Now, one gotcha, if the Fantastic Cow 3 people, uh, what's the name of that company? Uh, Flexibits. If the Flexibits people are listening to this, then uh, what you should probably consider doing is figuring out a way that, at least with JAWS, uh, a, a way to identify if you have something checked. So, for example, I checked the 15th or I checked the 13th and the 15th. And I'm like, well, why don't we just get it done and over with and get it on the 12th and or the 15th? Uh, so I went back up and it did not tell me if the 13th or the 15th was already selected, which I knew they were. Uh, so I unselected it, which, again, did not provide any audible feedback. And then I went to the 12th and selected that was unable to tell if it was selected or not because they weren't checkboxes. They were buttons that you select. And then I hit submitted or submit. And then what happened on your end? So looks like when you chose it, I'm guessing because I set the original appointment at, you know, for today's time, uh, it, it set that one as the, as the selected time. Uh, I did see your note uh, where it said, you know, I selected two different times to see what happens. But that was pretty much it. Like it went ahead and verified it as an actual appointment on the calendar. Then I got a notification from Fantastical that it sent out the actual invite for the appointment. And that was pretty much it. And then I accepted it and put it on my Google account. And then we're like, hey, or Michael was like, hey, let's try this new thing out because that's that's how we roll. And uh, I could not update the. So when I went into calendar.google.com, which I'm using on the computer more than anything, because, huh. Imagine this. It's faster than navigating some of the desktop apps. But anyways, uh, so I went to calendar.google.com and found the event, tried to edit it, said, because you are not the creator of this event, these updates will only show on your calendar. And that's why I sent you that message. It could just be like my G Suite settings for calendars or something. Right. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how that's probably works. the issue. I don't think it's a fantastic out thing. I think it's probably a G Suite permissions. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thing but yeah so i saw a happened funnily enough i was in reddit uh r slash blind uh, i was looking for your post about be 101 and i never got to it uh, uh i didn't get a chance to search uh, did you click that link that i sent you maybe i did not see a link i must have missed it uh, uh and now that thread has moved so far that that's what i hate about messages well that's what i hated about messages on ios on android i can just tap search and then there's a link option i hit link and it shows me all the links in that message thread. yeah so i have on the mac and this only works on the mac at the moment another app from FlexiBits, uh chatology where i could do the same mm-hmm. thing like just search that thread for links which i have used in the past i didn't realize you had actually sent a link so i didn't even yeah you know, try to go search for it, but I was using our favorite iOS still ain't in the app store yet. Run it out. Just scroll through. Yep. And I saw a post. Yeah. Somebody asked a question about accessible scheduling applications. Uh, and I saw that Jonathan Mosin was one of the people who answered. And he's like, yeah, you know, did, if you're on iOS, because you didn't specify platform, which they didn't. But if you're on iOS or Mac, uh, Fantastic Out 3 just came out and it's great. And those people are passionate about accessibility and et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's a great app. You should take a look at it. Uh, it does have a subscription for additional features, blah, blah, blah. And the only thing I took umbers with, now, to be fair, within the short amount of time, which I don't think it's even been a full two weeks, the Fantastic Cow 3 has been out. They have done, they have been on a rapid update cycle to fix bugs, yep. some of which were Good. accessibility issues. I didn't actually look at the date of his post. 
uh, to see. But man, I got to tell you, I was in one of those situations when I first updated the Fantastic Cal 3 on iOS. I was like, oh man, I really wish I could just go back because uh, it was horrible. Like I couldn't, excuse me, I'm getting sick again, I think. Oh shit. Yeah, man. Fucking school. Going around work. <laughs> Fucking schools, man. It's the worst. It's the worst. This is why people homeschool. It's not for any other reason. They tell you. It's for the kids home, bring it home journal for other people. That's what it's really about. Yep. yep. Uh, but Fantastic Out 3 does have some super nice features. One thing that they implemented now is a subscription. Uh, you can pay monthly or annually. It's only 40 bucks a year uh, or four ninety nine dollars a oh, month. Me? That's really not bad in the grand well, scheme I'll of things, say, though, especially for only, what you get. Yeah, I say only because the Mac out by itself was forty nine dollars uh, for Fantastic Out Two. Uh, it was actually forty nine bucks. Uh, yeah. So, considering the features that they built in, so one thing they've implemented is a FlexiBix account now, so that you can uh, one that keeps your subscriptions intact across platforms. Uh, so Mac and iOS and Apple Watch. Uh, but it also allows them to do, and, and I think that's another reason. Like, I'm I'm not upset about the subscription. I was upset originally, and I didn't, you know, post anything online. I shot them off an email uh, with some concerns of accessibility things that I had encountered uh, on first upgrading. I'm personally not upset about the subscription because the server-side component of this uh, will allow them to do things like the calendar suggested times or, or you know, thing, the thing that I use with you with the invite and the proposed times. And I'm pretty sure they're going to roll out more server-side features. They also have integrated support uh, for more services directly through FlexiBits uh, or through Fantastical. So you don't have to add all of your stuff to iOS or macOS in order to get it to show up. So Google, obviously, you can connect to Google directly through the app. You can connect to your iCloud calendars. This is important if you're an iOS user or a Mac user. You can use your iOS calendars, your, your iCloud calendars, through their direct sign-in uh, with Apple. But if you want your reminders integration uh, for the new reminders formatted iOS 13 and macOS Catalina, you need to add that account from your device. So you need to have that account set up on your device and active. And then you just check a box that says use, you know, iOS reminders. Some other services they've integrated with, which is really interesting. Like it kind of solved the problem. I was like, man, this is so weird that me and Mike was just talking about Todoist. Uh, they have direct integration for Todoist. So I can go to the accounts, add account and add Todoist is connect my Todoist account and now it pulls those in uh, and shows those in the task view. So I can see everything that's in my Todoist. I can tweak the settings so that it's only showing me if you have projects and things like that set up in Todoist, you can tweak it so that it's only showing maybe your inbox or you know other projects. The other big feature that they brought to iOS that was on macOS throughout uh, Fantastic Cal 2's lifetime is calendar sets which allows you to customize the view of what calendars and tasks that you want to see in a given view. So I have one that's called Focused, which only shows me tasks from specific projects and Todoist, only shows me two calendars and filters out the rest of the stuff. So I don't see the family calendars. I don't see, you know, holiday calendars, all of that sort of stuff. So I'm happy with the overall update. And I got to be honest, like there were some major accessibility issues when they first launched. Like I couldn't add an account on iOS period without toggling off voiceover and trying to tap to see which one I was going to get. Mac OS was similar, except that they had the buttons for you to add a new account. They just weren't labeled. So it's like click the button to see what you get. And it's like, nope, don't want that service. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> but they have fixed those very, very quickly. So I, I, I must... You know, continue to give them their props for, you know, how they 
fix the issues that they created with the update. Last thing I'll say about it is like, I like the third-party integrations that they've done. So they have Todoist, they have Google Tasks, funny enough. I was like, huh, huh. might need to start looking at Google Tasks now. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting that it's like, oh, they just saw my Todoist problem. Damn it. And I had, you know, yeah. we gotten away from Todoist. It's like, oh, I don't care about it anymore. It's all over. It's like, oh, well, here's a way for you to use it. And I was like, shit, Mike told me I should build it out. But I was like, no, man, I'm not doing it. Uh, <laughs> maybe they do listen to the show. I've completed 2309 tasks in Todoist now. It's a lot of tasks. That is a lot <laughs> of tasks. I'm going to say this and we can, we can, we can cut it out because I'm not trying to stomp on your achievement. But for people listening that hear that number, some of Mike's tasks are like repeating things that happen yeah, in de- or every day. Yeah. Yeah. So I have four tasks that repeat every day. So don't look at right your to do his score and be like, oh man, I'm really slacking the hell off. It's like Mike has really put most of the things that he needs to be reminded of into doing, if not everything. So, you know, right down to setting up a custom schedule for reminding him to empty the dog bowl, I think it was, or change the dog water uh, or yeah. something like that. Re- refill the dog water <laughs> is my custom task that I, I re- definitely refer to. And then I've got like download and convert Lars Larson, download and convert ag info, um, download and convert NWR tower logs and post public party call log. So there's five that I get reminded of every single more. Well, every weekday morning, because that's tasks that I have to do at work. And yeah, sometimes I get busy. Like today I did not complete two of those. No, one of them. Oh, I got all of them except for one. I didn't complete one of those because I got super busy, but if I didn't have Todoist, it's a very big chance that there would have been more than just one that I didn't complete. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. And like I said, I don't say that to stomp on Mark's accomplishment because it's it's a great use of app, and I think is what the feature set of Todoist is designed for. I just don't want people to get depressed if they're like, man, I only completed 300 tasks and I've been using it for two years. It's like, yeah. But Mike's busy. Mike's got a lot of stuff going on and Mike has been smart because he, like me, has run into situations where you think you're going to remember a thing because you do it all the time. <laughs> Life happens and you forget. You <laughs> drop it here. It's like, you know, Remy's pitching a fucking fit and it's like, what the hell is his problem? He had no water in the whole every day. day. <laughs> he had no water in the whole day. He's like, man, what the hell the hell is my water, man? What are you doing? Right, right, right. Don't forget so, that you need to buy me food too next week, you know? <laughs> yeah. A great accomplishment, man. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that this seems to have been, I think this is the first system that I think you've tried that you've stuck with consistently. Mm-hmm. I know you kind of fell off a little bit for a while. So I did drop off the, the bandwagon for a little bit. Uh, I think as of the last recording, I had started to do it again. And now I can say I've consistently completed four tasks per day. So I use it on a regular basis for 46 days now. So it's, it's kind of cool that you can track those little stats like that and and realize hey you know i i am doing almost as good as i did last time the last streak that i had was 61 days so uh almost there yeah it's nice to have the streaks man and uh, yeah that's carol may make me revisit the whole idea of uh to do is now because that is a that is an easier way to access it from the mac definitely uh ios it might be a little you know i'll probably just stick mm. to the app if i continue right. it's good but on the Mac definitely solves the problem that I had, which is how do I get crap in here from all my computer? Can you add tasks through Fantastical to Todoist? Do you know? You can. You can. You can. Mm. 
Yeah. Mm. So we got to do its integration, Google Tasks. Uh, they added Zoom integration. They added a couple of services that I don't know anything about. Notably not on the list. And I know why it's not on the list, but notably not on the list for a company that is so heavily entrenched in the Apple ecosystem is OmniFocus. But that is because Omni Group does not yet have a public API to connect to their service. So that is why they are not present. Back to Android, man. So I, I, I interrupted you on your year review of, of Android and what you like and what's making you happy. And, and what's frustrating. We've got to go into that too. I, I, I will bring up the Gmail thing, which uh, we'll talk about in a minute. But so for the most part, Android has has done me well. Android 10 has, has worked out best. I granted only spent probably three or four days on Android 9. So I can't really speak to that because I jumped into the beta as soon as I got my device or very shortly after it. I am pretty satisfied with the launch hair for my launcher. I've been using that. Uh, I Every once in a while, we'll go back to the Pixel uh, launcher, but what was it last week? Maybe the week before I reset my phone to factory defaults because I was having this weird issue. Uh, speaking of which, resetting the factory defaults solved my conference call issue. Not sure what was going on there, but for those who didn't hear, when I called a specific conference line after anywhere between 30 to 39 minutes, it would just hang up, reset my phone, and then I'd go to the phone and look at the recent calls, and there was no recent call to that conference call. It's like it never happened, and I knew that it did because I was on the call. And so uh, I reset to factory defaults, and ever since I reset to factory defaults, I've I've remembered that, you know, TalkBack allows me to customize a lot of things. Uh, and when you don't keep those customizations, sometimes things are a little more sluggish. So an example of that is, is for a while, I would have a swipe right and up gesture, which I know some people are not too happy with the gesture-based navigation versus multi-touch input. Uh, hopefully something will, will change in that in the in the foreseeable future. Uh, but I would swipe right and up, for example, to switch between my granular, not granularity, but, but to switch between my selector options. And I didn't realize this until Namer uh, on the Anted podcast was talking about it with us one day. You can go to talkback settings, go to gestures and choose selector as one of the options. And then if you go into the selector, which is an option inside talkback settings, you can choose what you want there. So for example, I have speech rate and I have uh, navigation and audio ducking are the three options that I have in there right now. And you can use the gesture right and up or whatever you set it to, to go between those settings and you can make changes on the fly, uh, which is pretty handy. It was a feature that I missed, uh, most closely equivalent to the rotor but not quite the same thing uh, on iOS. So that when you don't have those little things set up, the other one that I had is I had a gesture that was scrub left, right. So you go left and then right real quick. And that starts reading from the next item on the page, uh, which is kind of like a say all uh, gesture as well. Um, but now that I have those set back up, I'm able to quickly navigate through my phone. I use it every day at work for queuing people on the air, which is pretty uh, makes me feel very confident, especially when Barry is introducing some of our listeners. He's like, yeah, and here's Michael. He's the one who makes me stay on task and and keeps me abreast of what's going on in the rest of the world while I'm here in the studio. Uh, and so being able to accomplish that with my phone is definitely uh, re-encouraging. Now, 
have I thought about wanting to switch back to iOS? Yeah, the thoughts crossed my mind a time or two, especially with like Fantastical and Shortcuts are, are two things I kind of miss. But really, that's about all that I'm missing. Uh, web browsing could be a lot better. Um, it's It's got its... I don't know how to explain it, Demasi. Maybe you can. It's it's a little sluggish at times, dependent on the browser you're using. So I've been using Edge uh, most of the time, and that's actually working fairly well. And then I read about another browser, which I don't remember the name of it, that I'm going to try out and see how that works. But for the most part, I'm, I'm pretty satisfied with Android after a year. And uh, hopefully we'll be trying a new device in the near future. I would say that web navigation is probably the most problematic area. And there are other areas that can be annoying. There are other little gotchas here and there. And it's just there are some things that are different, like the gestures. The gestures don't bother me as much uh, because Google had to do something. Uh, like They had to come up with some solution. And we never know outside you know, looking in it like, well, why didn't they try to do the rotor gesture like Apple? Well, who knows what they have in their development pipeline and they want to use those gestures for that are just, you know, there for everyone's use versus, you know, Apple's approach. Uh, I think it's a different approach, but I think there's a lot more customization there as well. We're seeing Apple kind of get more into that. Uh, there's a lot more voiceover customization available now than there used to be. But when it comes to Android, I would say web navigation is probably the worst. Like, it, It's the big thing that will make me be like, eh, it's hard to make the switch for that reason because I spend so much time in Safari on iOS, a ridiculous amount of time in Safari on iOS, considering I have a nice Mac to go sit down at. But yeah, as Mike said, it can be sluggish at times. Sometimes it's extremely snappy. Sometimes it just seems like the page, you know, your navigation just kind of bogs down and you freeze for a bit. And then it unfreezes and does a whole bunch of crazy stuff because in the meantime, while I was frozen, you were trying to do things. And it's like, oh, I swiped. I tried touching the screen. I did some things. And next thing you know, it's doing 17 things uh, that it froze up and did. Now, to be fair about it, there are a lot of advantages to Android's position in the market uh, outside of web browsing being an issue. Uh, I feel like Google has a more forward thinking, more rapid implementation of some of the security features that are uh, available to end users. Whereas Apple seems to kind of be a little bit, I'm not going to say lackadaisical. It takes them longer to integrate said feature. Uh, so one example is I've been chatting with Mike off and on over the past month and a half about security keys and using security keys. Uh, you know, Ubico is probably the most well-known company that makes USB uh, security keys uh, for you to plug into your computer and they have versions that work with uh, USB-C devices, period. Uh, they have a Lightning version out and they also work with NFC. And there are other companies out there. I don't know about all of them. Uh, you Like I said, Ubico is the brand that you hear and you think like, oh, it's a little security key token thingy thingy or whatever. <laughs> Google has had that built into their Pixels since I want to say the Pixel 2. I know for certain it's in the Pixel 3. Uh, in the Pixel 4. Yep. Uh, and they're using their version of uh, what Apple calls a secure enclave on iOS uh, and on T2 equipped Macs. Google calls it the Titan security key. They have had that feature built in at least since the Pixel 3, uh, if not for earlier devices and all subsequent devices. So the Pixel AXL also has that capability. Uh, and what it does is allow you to use your device with your authentication method. So, you know, I'd like the fingerprint, you know, integration on the Pixel 3. Uh, 
I could go to a website on my Mac and Chrome, unfortunately. And again, that's where I mean, like Apple's kind of lagging behind the rest of the industry and it's lagging behind Google specifically in this. Most of the security capabilities over Bluetooth with something like a phone uh, on the Mac only are going to work for you in Chrome at the moment. Uh, if I go to Safari, I got to use an alternative method. So I think Google is leading in a lot of places where Apple is not caught up to them yet, just as, you know, there are some areas where Apple has refined mm-hmm. their approach and in, in their methods and Google is still kind of in flux. One thing I do want to mention that I forgot to on the uh, note of accessibility and Google and Andrew, or Google and Apple on different pages. So Apple has a pass through gesture. I forget what what is the pass through gesture? Or do they one have finger one? double tap and hold? Okay. So Apple has the pass through gesture of one finger double tap and hold. Thank you, Demasi. And uh it 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 works, but one thing that I can do with Android, for example, and this may play into the reasoning behind why they don't have uh, multi-touch gestures, is if I put two fingers on the top of my screen and I slide them down real quick, my my uh, notification screen opens. Uh, if I tap on the screen somewhere with two fingers on a button that TalkBack for some reason isn't activating when I double tap, it will activate that button. So your pass-through gesture is simply to use two fingers instead of one which is it's, it's it's got its pros and cons it's something that i think is often forgotten about and it's a little different because apple's gesture is dependent on you doing a, a double tap and hold uh to initiate that gesture and then there's i'm gonna say comparing to android there's more limitations as to what you can do with that gesture with voiceover uh so let's say you have a button that's not activating with a double tap with voiceover oftentimes a double tap and hold on that button will get it to activate for you uh but i you can but it's finicky i've i've done it but it's very finicky to like do like to touch your status bar on ios and then do a double tap and hold and try to swipe down and make the uh control uh notification center come down like that that's not the best you know experience uh in my opinion so it's just a different approach is is different approaches different optimizations and different focuses uh and the thing i want to say about google is like i feel like given where they were 10 years ago since everybody's doing their you know review of the past decade Uh, Google has come a tremendous distance from where they were because they were not even on the same path of accessibility when it comes to Android that they're on today. Whereas Apple was on the same path that they're currently on. Like they've just continued to add capabilities, add features, and refine that functionality and expand it. Whereas Google, you know, about 10 years ago is around when I think internally Google was starting to think, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have went this way. We need to rethink this whole <laughs> eyes-free approach to Android that we've been tackling. So I think, you know, from my experience uh, and, you know, consider that around, what, eight years ago, I was using a Android device full time. Uh, I think they come a tremendous way. Uh, to be honest. And the web is difficult. Like, to be fair about it, the web is difficult. Mm -hmm. Apple, one of the biggest differences in Apple and other browser vendors, whether that be Google, uh, Mozilla with Firefox, uh, Brave, uh, Vivaldi, all these other browsers that exist, Microsoft with Edge, is that Google pushes a lot of web stuff forward but they also tend to stick to the standards, whereas Apple will start with the standard and then they'll tweak it just a little bit. 
They, they, they can't just take the out-of-the-box standard and deploy it uh, as is, which is what Google tends to do. Like if Google's using what is considered a web standard, we'll take R- RTC, for example, which is what we're actually using at the moment to talk to each other through the browser is WebRTC. This would not work in Safari simply because Apple has WebRTC, but it's a weird implementation. Like they've, <laughs> done some, they've done some extra bits to it that don't make it compliant with all of the other software like uh, what are we using? Uh, oh no, Squadcast. There you go. <laughs> they make things like, like I said, you know, early on, I'm using Edge today because uh, Mike finally convinced me to take a look at Edge. I'm using Edge today, uh, but I can use this in Edge. Mike's using it in Chrome. I can load it up in uh, Firefox probably. Uh, and I could open my my Android phone right now and log into and the and it would Chrome. prompt me. Yep, it would prompt me. Do you want to allow this app access to your or this website access to your microphone? I'd tap yes, and all of a sudden I'm in the call using Android. Lower audio quality. Well, lower audio I, quality unless I got my adapter plugged in and this and that and this and that. But but it it's less restrictive and that has negatives, uh, negative side effects. Now, before we move on to something else, because I hope Tomasi has something else for us to talk about uh, before we move on to something else, I do want to say neither of which platforms are perfect. I've I've heard some not so pleasant stories about iOS 13. So I'm not saying that Android's better than iOS, but if if a blind individual was provided a Pixel device or I've not used it. I've heard positive things, but it, or a Samsung uh, uh, flagship device. I I suspect that they would be a well. I know that they would be able to navigate that phone. They'd be able to do everything they needed to and uh, be successful in whatever endeavors they're they're going on with their mobile devices because both platforms have access at this point in time. So hopefully nothing breaks in that uh, and things get better. Oh, man, I can tell you a lot of horror stories about iOS 13. Jesus. <laughs> I can, what I can do is predict the future. I can predict the future. WWDC 2020, iOS 14, iPad OS 14, Mac OS, whatever the hell it would be, 10.16. They're getting really ridiculous. With wow. Yeah. Uh, watch OS, TV OS. I have a prediction. Stability. We're focusing on stability <laughs> and bug fixing and optimizations. So, this is what they're going to say. Isn't that what what was 2018 though? Too like, mm, yeah, it was. It was. Yeah. It, it so, was some, iOS, so maybe the iOS even number Pro. years are stability years. The odd number years are. Let's try new shit out. Internally, they probably have a timeline for where they want to get to uh, with certain cross-platform capabilities, and they're pushing really hard because for some reason they're behind somewhere somehow uh, i think intel may have something to do with that i think them having to backtrack and actually make a mac pro versus letting the imac pro be their top end computer uh has also affected that internal uh time plot because i like a lot of people think that at some point apple is going to at least if nothing else release arm laptops built using their own custom chips uh, you know- i don't think that the desktops are going to get them right away go ahead I heard a rumor uh, yesterday. As you know, I am always listening to podcasts, uh, Pocket Casts. Thank you very much. Uh, anyways, I heard an episode on, I think it was DTNS, that was talking about uh, there being a 
possible patent that Apple has filed, which we all know that patents uh, can go one way or another, uh, talking about folding devices, folding glass devices, which would play into that ARM laptop uh, avenue. If you could have a foldable piece of glass that could turn into a laptop if necessary, then that could be a very interesting direction that Apple would go into. Yeah, everybody seems to be on the folding thing. As we talked today, Samsung had an event yesterday where they released. Yeah. They announced the Samsung flip. S20. Yeah, the Samsung S20 Apple. and the Flip. Uh, yeah, I found it interesting that they skipped a whole bunch of numbers <laughs> to get to the S20. Yeah. Like they were yeah, now- like the S9 or the S10 or something, but it's like, oh no, this is the S20. Uh, yeah, but now next year it'll be the Samsung 2021 or the Samsung 21, S21, something. You know, they could they can match it up with the years, hopefully. Yeah, but I thought it was interesting that they chose to jump that far ahead. They could have yeah. just, you know, kept on the same path that they were on. So, anyway. no, not really. You know, I'm kind of disappointed in tech. Well, let me rephrase that. I am disappointed in the amount of rumors that are available because it takes away the climax of tech events. Do you you understand what I'm saying there? Yeah. Yeah. By the time the event comes around, everybody has leaked, has found out and told the world in a way that is even hard to avoid hearing it, especially if you listen to podcasts uh, about tech. So you kind of know what they're going to announce is, 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 you know, I felt the same way at last year's uh, iPhone event. It's like, they didn't announce anything I didn't know about. Like there was nothing there. Now they went into more detail than had previously been available in some cases. But for mm-hmm. the most part, you know, the rumor sites had it correct. There were three phones that they announced, the iPhone 11 and the Pro and even the stupid name. And I was like, they got to have that wrong. The Pro Max. And I was like, they're not going to call yeah. it that. They called it yeah. that. Uh, the camera configuration, <laughs> all of that stuff was correct. And I'm like, you know, I think the only thing that they announced last year that nobody, I think there have been rumors, but there have been rumors of it for a couple of years now with the Apple Watch is this is going to be the year for the always on face. Uh, right. I think that is probably the only thing that nobody actually nailed, nailed where they had actual, you know, evidence that this was happening. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little disappointing when, you know, it's like, why watch the event now? Like, you know, yeah. read. Find out whatever they're supposed to do and then listen to whoever talks about it, pontificates on it after the fact to see uh, what additional details they ask. I already knew what they were going to create or or launch or announce. I get more excitement out of things that are not announced that people think they're going to (laughs) announce. Yeah. So, like the tile, you've a competitor for Apple. I'm like, oh, they they haven't announced that yet. Interesting. But when it does come, it'll be like, oh, it's finally here. Oh, okay. They made that thing that they yeah. had been yeah. to make forever. It's funny that Tyler's <laughs> actually taking them to court on something that they hadn't even announced, let alone yeah. released. It hadn't even been officially announced by anybody at Apple. <laughs> Tyler's going to court on an anti-competitive, you know, antitrust situation. I'm like, man. Right. If yeah. your business is going to be destroyed because Apple comes out with a thing that competes with your device, then you weren't in a very good position in the first place. Because number one, you can use Tile, the company Tile's stuff with all devices, whether it's an Android device, iOS Right, device. right. Even if you're still running yeah. around with a Windows phone device that is still working, you can use Tile with a bunch of different stuff. And there's a lot more interesting ways for you to 
expand that business so that even if Apple releases, like, first off, the only people that are going to buy are people who are 100% in the Apple ecosystem. Uh Secondly, nobody's going to not buy your stuff unless they're just not going to, like, I haven't bought a tile because I'm just not going to buy a tile. If Apple releases one, I'm not going to buy Apples either because I don't fucking want one. (laughs) So that's, I don't really have anything else. This con- this this session has turned into an interesting uh, mixture of technology conversations. Do you have any other topics you want to cover before we wrap it up? And I'm I'm bothered and I'm concerned about the rhetoric that is being pushed by the FBI and uh, Attorney General William Barr. It's William Barr guy. Like he's either an extreme he is like stupid like a fox or he's really stupid i don't know <laughs> what it is uh but i'm concerned that the scare tactics that they're promoting about oh you know encryption of your devices encryption of messaging services encryption of you know basically if stuff is encrypted in the government that has a way to get into it you know we can't find child pornographers we can't find terrorists we can't find you know, that's like, bullshit Yes, it's bullshit. I know it's bullshit. Like, you know it's bullshit. But the average we've had encryption forever already. My thing is what they're asking for, like what what the government actually wants. Like, and, and I, 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 you know, some people don't. Most people don't know me. I try to be objective, right? I try to at least look at somebody else's position. So before I say you're stupid as hell, I've at least taken into account what you were thinking about when you said a thing. As a yeah. law enforcement. As a law enforcement officer, as an intelligence officer, obviously, I would like to be able to peek into every fucking thing that's going on in the world when I want to be able to peek into it so I can find out what the hell is going on so I can stop people from getting killed. Obviously, that is a thing that makes sense from your perspective. But even if I were an intelligence officer or a law enforcement officer, I would also have to think about if I weaken encryption by forcing companies like Apple, Google, Facebook, Amazon, et cetera, on and on and on, uh, your signals of the world to put in back doors that would allow governments access, uh, lawful access, so they say, you know, but that all depends on your country's laws. But let's say the U.S. government, lawful access to me and Mike's signal conversations or the information that's stored on my iPhone. If I force them to put a back door in that is exposed, then it is highly likely. And I'm going to speak about this in, in specifically here, just as a U.S. resident, as a person, if I was hypothetically working for the U.S. government. Uh, so nothing I say is really reflective of my necessarily opinions about other countries. Let's say I were an intelligence officer. I would have to weigh the balance of weakening encryption that exists to secure people's data on their devices, secure their backups. Uh, shout out to Google, too. They have full end-to-end, end-to-end encrypted, trust-no-one backups of your Android devices. Apple doesn't even have that in the cloud. Uh, so shout out to Google for doing it. Uh Apple need to catch the hell up because it's getting annoyed. Anyway, if I were an intelligence officer, like I said, obviously I would like to be able to see everything I want to see when I need to see it, you know, so I can stop prevent preventatively stop terrorist attacks, for example. But let's be honest. First of all, the terrorists are not stupid. They're not as stupid as people try to make them out to be like, oh, they're just a bunch of dumbass people. If they was that fucking dumb, they'd have been called a long time ago. All right. They would never get away with the stuff that they managed to pull. Secondly, 
if we start poking holes in encryption so they don't have a way to securely talk to each other across the internet, you know what they're going to do? They're just going to start putting people on airplanes and say, hey, you got a message. I'm only going to tell yeah. it to you. You're not even writing it down. I'm going to tell it to you. Get on a plane, fly over here, meet this guy, make sure it's the guy that you're supposed to be meeting and tell him the thing that I just said to you. Wait for his answer. Get your ass back on the plane. Come back over here. Drive back out to the middle of the fucking desert. Tell me what the fuck he said. All right. This is how we're going to do this. How are you going to stop that? But what you have done in the meantime, by weakening the encryption, forcing back doors to be put into encryption, because there's no mathematical way to make it work otherwise, is you have now made my device as a as a United States citizen less secure. So it means if the Chinese government, nothing against people in China. I love Chinese people in general. Your government's kind of fucked up. So was ours at the moment. Shout out. Uh, the Iranian government, the Russians, whoever decides, whoever manages to discover this backdoor into, let's say, iPhones or Android phones or the encryption of signal messages like you've just given them tremendous power. And me as a user, I am powerless. Yet the people who are committing crimes in the world, the people who are really seriously committing crimes at a huge, massive scale. I'm not talking about your dumbass guys who go to knock over a fucking liquor store and get called two days later. Talking about your people who are doing crimes at a massive scale. They are going to continue to use encryption if they need to use encryption because the technology is out there. You cannot take away the understanding of math. All you can do is force a company like Facebook, Google, Amazon, Apple, whoever, to put a hole into their security, which makes it automatically less secure. Now, let's get into the other problem. As an intelligence officer for the United States of America, you have now weakened the technology that we use to secure our data as a fucking country. If I was a criminal mastermind, which those who know me know I'm not, I, I, I have to use Todoist to keep myself on task, and I don't think that's encrypted, uh, I, I would just go build a app that had encryption like it's it's that simple so why why take the risk of of the why take the risk of all americans who use a device on a regular basis and say yeah let's let's have a have a back door no one else is going to use it and then you got companies like clearview you've you've heard about clearview right oh geez man google you know you know know you're doing something wrong man when facebook Google and Twitter all come together to put a stop to what you're doing. Yeah, you know you're doing yeah. some wrong shit, man. You're doing some. That's wrong. with that's with no backdoors at uh, no no well known backdoors in any sort of encryption. If if a company like Clearview can can pull off the shit they've pulled off, what would happen if there's oh yeah just 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 use this special little program and it'll get you into the encryption of any device that you want to get into what type of data is going to be gathered there so on that note i think we can wrap it up now <laughs> oh, i should probably explain to what clearview is very quickly for those who don't know we'll drop a link in the show notes into some more articles but basically clearview is a company that using the publicly available apis uh, mm-hmm. although they did violate terms of service to said companies they have scraped facebook twitter linkedin other social media networks to pull all of the images that people have, at least profile pictures at least. I'm not going to say all of your images, but profile pictures, which are usually publicly available to everybody. Uh, And they have compiled this massive database where you can dump an image into their database and say, who's this guy? They'll be like, hey, that's Tomasi Thomas. We got his information right here off of Facebook. Clearly a violation of Facebook's, Twitter's, etc.'s terms of service, first of all. Uh, Secondly, that shit is scary as hell, dude. Because the the potential for a mis uh 
identification or, or, or wrongful identification of somebody by AI is terrible to even consider. Like I could end up getting locked up just because somebody looks close enough to me that the computer says, oh, yeah, that's Tomasi. It's like, no, nah, man, it wasn't me. How the fuck did I even get to Louisiana, bro? I was over here babysitting. What you doing? It's like, no, nah, man, you're going to jail. While we're talking about uh, law enforcement access to data that nobody else is supposed to have access to, et cetera, I must uh, follow up on a discussion we had. I think it was DM42. It might have been DM41 uh, about Amazon's company. 42. Uh, using their cameras to pass information to law enforcement, basically using the doorbell cameras to pass information to law enforcement and having a web port and all that. Amazon has, or Ring, I guess I should say, has... Uh, one, put more control in the hands of the customer so that they can say, I don't want my data to be used by law enforcement uh, or only ask me on a case by case basis. Can law enforcement use my video? So they have attempted to clean it up somewhat. I think I would be remiss since I went on such a rant last time about the bullshit they was doing. Not to at least point that out. I'll drop a link in the show notes to the actual auto article that explains it. I personally still am not buying a ring doorbell. Man, yeah, that's all the Christian thing. Russia, man. So, what? I got a question for you. Google did this in China, right? Where China started to impose rules on Google. Google didn't like it, so Google left the comp- the whole entire country of China. Like they just pulled out with Google search and all that. They're gone. You know, this happened several years ago. Russia has passed a law that says all cell phone provider, all cell phone makers must preload Russian approved apps Mm. on their devices before they're in the hands of end users and the big debate outside and probably inside of apple too is what the hell are they going to do are they going to just pull out of russia are they going to capitulate to russia right Mm. Mm. now i'm not a russian citizen but as a russian citizen i might have the perspective that you know it's kind of unfair to this united states company can put all their crap on the phone and i don't have anything representing me uh I can see that point of view. But again, you know, Apple's not a Russian company. They're a United States company. I think the same things apply. Like, I would not like for the U.S. government to say, oh, Apple, you got to give us access to your stuff and keep that shit secret so that we can spy on the Russians, right? Same way I don't like what Russia's trying to do with their shit. I don't know what Apple's going to do. Personally, uh, one option open to them is to preload the apps on just because in the EU, is it the EU? No, nope, not the EU. The UAE, uh, the Middle East, FaceTime is not allowed in some countries. So your iPhone that you buy over there, not over here, you got to be over there in one of their Apple stores, maybe Dubai could be an example. You buy an iPhone, you turn it on, you set it up, you don't have FaceTime on your device. Hmm. Interesting. I did not know that. So they could, they could do what Russia wants them to do, which is put these preloaded apps on the device. Right. Problem with that is, what do you do in the the United States? Because here's the thing, like they're using some some of those apps, at least are going to allow the Russian government, the Russian intelligence service to peek into people's usage and what they're doing, except track them and all of that. So if they capitulate, then, you know, who's going to be in line next? Oh, Mr. Trump. Hey, we want you to put all these, put this app on every iPhone <laughs> in the U.S. And first of all, things going to happen is I'm going to run Android. Like, man, fuck this. I'm out. Peace. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but you open the door. Like, w- once you start to 
interfere with things of that nature. You capitulate as a company, like you only open yourself up to more countries saying, you know, hey, you got to comply with the laws inside of our country too. Uh, I don't know if Apple can afford to pull out of Russia. My bigger concern is what if China tries to do that to them? Right. A lot of their manufacturing is dependent on China. I don't know, man. It's interesting. Strange debate. Strange, strange. It's a strange time that we live in. It is. It is. And to think, 12 years ago, we didn't really have to worry about this that much because smartphones were getting struggling. all the fucking data that they wanted and nobody was saying anything about anything. It's only when mm. we as people started getting the ability to encrypt our devices and keep stuff out of the eyeballs of the federal government <laughs> that, you know, we started having problems. And it's like, well, at any rate, my final point is do your own research. Don't don't let don't let uh, the hyperbole being thrown around because here's the thing think about it 20 years ago you didn't have access to any of the data you couldn't track people the way that you can track them a day with a cell phone and people still got arrested people still went to jail people still had to pay for their crimes so i call bullshit uh on the we can't arrest people we can't stop trial pornography mm-hmm. encryption continues to live secondly man there's commercially available software to encrypt shit i mean hell pgp like they can't stop you from going to download pgp like they can't stop right. you from doing it they can't stop you from downloading veracrypt they can maybe force facebook to put some backdoors into messenger but they cannot force you the individual to you know not use software and like i said like mike said if we were criminal masterminds if we really were trying to do some devious shit we're not going to use an iMessage or Facebook Messenger to do it on in the first Write place. Write our own. That would be hard. <laughs> I'm going to use some open source where the code has been vetted and I know for a fact that this shit is secure before I decide, <laughs> oh, yeah, we're going to plan our strategy to take over the world in iMessage and to do it. Like, yeah, that makes yeah. a lot of sense. On that scary note, you can find me on Twitter at Payone, P-A-Y-O-W-N, when I'm there. And he is... At Damasi, D-A-M-A-S-H-E. You've been listening to Your Own Pay Podcast. If you've enjoyed today's episode, visit yourownpay.com slash cast for exclusive content. And to contact us today. We're eager to hear your thoughts and about how you're making this podcast your own. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. The Your Own Pay Podcast, yourownpay.com.